2: Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, a time to open our minds and our hearts to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and regular guest host of the Yoga Hour, and today's program is very special as I will be speaking with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, the founder and regular host of the Yoga Hour. Today we'll be sharing some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga. Yoga is a Sanskrit word that is familiar to most today, but many people associate it with a more narrow uh, meaning of just relating to the physical poses or physical exercise. Yoga is actually a Sanskrit word that means oneness, union, or unity, the bringing together of our attention and awareness with our essential spiritual nature to be restored to our original wholeness. So, I'm very excited to dive in today's program. Our topic is Glimpse the Face of the Beloved. How can we move from the everyday world to the timeless experience of divine union? Mystical poetry can build a bridge from ordinary life to the eternal presence of love at the heart of the universe. From our own inner life to the realization of a life beyond our own. And as I mentioned, today I'm joined by Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, who, in addition to being the founder and director of the Yoga Hour, is also the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, and most significantly, author of a new book of poetry called The Moon Reminded Me. And today, our conversation is going to touch on poetry, healing, and mysticism. We'll be discussing how poetry can open a portal that allows us to glimpse the face of the beloved for which our hearts yearn. So Yogacharya O'Brien has been a spiritual teacher for the past 35 years. She was ordained to teach by Roy Eugene Davis, a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda, who brought Kriya Yoga to the West. Yogacharya O'Brien is the author of several books on meditation and spiritual practice, including three books of poetry. And as I mentioned, the newest book is called The Moon Reminded Me, which is due to be published imminently. Um, Yogacharya O'Brien is a frequent speaker at conferences and retreats, both nationally and internationally on the value of meditation for seekers of spiritual truth and the importance of ethical and spiritual awakening to contribute to world peace. So welcome Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm so delighted
3: that you could join us today on the Yoga Hour. Thank you, Dr. Trujillo. It's really a delight to be um, changing roles and be here uh, as a guest. So I'm looking forward to our conversation. Thank you for making it possible. And thanks to all of our faithful listeners.
2: So before we dive into our conversation about uh, poetry and spirituality, let's begin. As we mean to go on, let's begin with a yoga moment, a moment of meditation. Oh. Let's begin by turning our attention within. And one easy way to do it with a tool that we always have at our disposal. It's let's let's begin by taking a fully conscious breath, just noticing as we inhale, And exhale. Our breath can help to bring us present wherever we are and whatever we're doing. We can just observe the breath, not trying to change it, just noticing its natural flow. Cool air entering the nostrils and warm air flowing out. In this moment, we can dive within and open our heart to the divine and to the divine love that is the essence of our being. This one reality, called by many names, is the support and substance of all that is. Right where we are, right here and right now, this divine essence is present as you, as me, As everyone and everything. It's within us, between us, and all around us. Just by being present now and noticing, we can rest in this essence of our being. We notice thoughts and feelings as they arise and as they pass away. We become aware of our essential nature beyond words and thoughts, beyond all change or sensation, pure existence being. We rest In the inner silence and peace that emanates from the essence of our being. We allow it to pervade the mental field, the emotional nature, and the physical body. We abide in this peace and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. So once again, Yogacharya O'Brien, I'm going to call you Umaji from now on. (laughs) Um, Welcome to the Yoga Hour.
3: Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here in this capacity. It's really nice. So, I want to first congratulate you on the publication of your new book of poetry,
2: once again called The Moon Reminded Me. And also, I wanted to congratulate you on being a finalist for the 2016 Homebound Publications Poetry Prize. So, since this is a prize-winning book, let's go ahead and start with a poem.
3: All right, thank you. And um, just to let people know, the book is now available for pre-order, and we're at, what are we, like February 2nd, and in about another five days it'll, it'll actually be uh, available. So I'm sure you'll give them information about that. But it, I, I am holding a real copy in my hands right now, so it's, um, it's really exciting. Um, I think I'll read the title poem of the book. It's called, The Moon Reminded Me. The moon reminded me, this morning, the moon reminded me, it's never too late or too early. Go ahead. There's a way to turn without losing your balance. Even though you get drunk on the beloved's wine, even though you leave your shoes behind at the sama, go ahead, take them off. Place your hand on your heart. Start turning toward the light. Raise yourself by yourself at dawn. Go ahead. Shine in the morning sky. Mm, That's just so, so
2: beautiful. So I know this is your third book of poetry, but
3: I wanted to ask you, when did you start to write poetry? (laughs) I was um, thinking about that as you posed that question. Um, And the first poem that I can remember writing was as a very young child. I must have been, you know, seven or eight when I just could start writing something. And um, the first poem that I wrote... I wrote and I was very angry I was very upset with my mother and so I wrote a little poem that was um I hate my big fat mother and <laughs> and and what made that a poem was that it was not literal I mean the feelings were there the feelings were strong but Um, And I remember my family, you know, my mother and my brother and my father finding that little poem and just laughing. I mean, they were just hysterical. And what what was funny to them about it was that my mother was really, really tiny. She was very petite. She was very thin. There was nothing big or fat about her. So they thought that was really funny. And, And I remember... You know, thinking that they didn't understand, and you know, years later, I thought, "Oh, I'm I'm going to have to explain metaphor um, <laughs> to the to these family members," because <laughs> I, I, my poem was about um, expressing how her energy affected me. It w- it was about the unseen. Um, it, it wasn't about her physical presence. It was, you know, her big fat energy field <laughs> that I was upset about. And um so that's the first poem that I remember. And um it's kind of funny to think of it now, and um you know, I'm sure my mother would laugh about it today too if she was here, but um it I I think that Using the power of the word to express something I was seeing that was not on the physical plane was there at the beginning for me at a very early age.
2: Yeah, so this is really a, a virtually lifelong, you
3: know, process that you've that you've uh, participated in. So yes, and- over my lifetime, I I have written some really bad poems. <laughs> <laughs> So, hopefully, this doesn't fall in that category, but, you know, I I did, um, <clears throat> um, I did major, I was an English major in college, and I had a creative writing minor, and so I did um, focus on poetry, and I looked back at some of those poetry things, poems that I wrote as a young adult, and um, they were pretty awful, but You know, I had some really good and compassionate uh, teachers who helped me find my voice, uh, which was really a wonderful thing to have. Yes. So, turning to the new book, um, what inspired this new book of poetry? Well, I think the poems themselves, you know, I write poetry all the time, and so... It was just time, you know, they just came together and uh, uh, and they came together very gracefully and very beautifully. So it wasn't that I started out with the idea to write a book. Um, poetry writing is, in a sense, a part of my spiritual practice, and I think it is for many people. I think there's lots of closet poets around, um, you know, whether they're writing I Hate My Big Fat Mother or they're <laughs> writing <laughs> something more lyrical, um, I think people are are writing, you know, if they're journal writers, they're writing about their feelings, they're writing about their observations, they're writing about things that that can't be seen but can be experienced and um, felt, so because i'm writing all the time um, there's a time in which you know they they start to come together and coalesce into a book and and that and that's what happened here mm-hmm. um, and what was different about this book was i decided i would you know put it out there um, today you know for poets to publish It's a different uh thing than than other spiritual books or big books of fiction writing um, mostly, people go through the door of entering a contest, and if your work uh, wins in the contest, then the publisher who um, is holding the contest will publish your work and that 's okay. what happened um, with homebound publications um, who are publishers of this of this book
2: well um, i I love the you know the reference that you give to how you were not talking um about your mother's physical presence. You were pointing to something that you could feel but that wasn't you know, it wasn't a visual, you know, thing that you were pointing to, which is obviously the tie-in with poetry and um and mysticism, you know, the beloved, the, you know, the one reality that is beyond us all and within us all and around us all the time, but cannot be seen. Um it's such a you know it's such a beautiful um you know way to point to that which cannot be described you know in words so what what role do you see for poetry on the spiritual path
3: well i think just as you have beautifully described you know i, I have besides writing poetry i read it all the time you know i love the poems of rumi and you know isn't it beautiful how um the poetry of rumi has has become so familiar to people now in yeah. Western culture I mean you know you can go to a spa somewhere I guess and stay in a hotel and find you know a roomy verse on your <laughs> on your bedside um, you know very unusual here's a mystic poet you know um, and why is that and I, I think it points to the great spiritual hunger that we have um, and the way in which Language that is skillful and that is coming from a consciousness that has experienced um, the one can point to that experience and it can be a portal. It can be a way that, um, you know, we can enter into that experience Um through reading that poem. And so I enjoy uh, reading um, poets in, um, you know, Rumi and Kabir and Mirabai, um, Laleshwari, you know, those are some of my favorite uh, mystic poets, um, Hafiz. Um, But I also enjoy many of our, you know, American poets um, today, as well, and of course, Robert Bly made a wonderful contribution in translating so many of the mystical works, um, Kabir and uh, Mirabai, uh, for example. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, in, indeed, and uh, I, I love the the uh, title of this, you know, episode: "Glimpse the Face of the Beloved," which is really what we're talking about when we talk about, you know, how do you, how do you talk about something that is not, <laughs> that you can't express in words. And poetry uniquely as a vehicle, I think, allows us to, you know, to have that sense of, mm-hmm. uh, to,
3: to connect on a deeper soul level. So, yeah, and it seems to me sometimes, you know, people say, I mean, they, I, I sometimes think poetry is like mustard, you know, people, or, or, or cilantro, you know, people either <laughs> like it or they don't. And there's kind of, it's hard to convince people who don't like it that they might have a taste and they might like it it um, because they will invariably say I don't understand it you know I don't get it and I think you know that's like saying you don't understand music you know and certainly people would say they don't understand jazz <laughs> or they don't understand hip-hop or they don't understand classical but it's it's not it's not to be understood it's to be experienced. Yes. Um, so very much like uh other you know spiritual practices you know poetry is to be uh experienced. Mm. So you have many many other roles uh besides
2: being a poet you're a teacher a writer um you're you know the founder and spiritual director of of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment and obviously also of this program. So um how do you see uh, your your work as a poet, you know, writing poems. How does that support the other roles that you play?
3: Um, I think because um, poetry is like a meditation to me, and um, there is a a deep connection with my self, capital S you know with the divine that i feel in as i experience poetry whether i'm writing it or reading it um so it, it's, for me, it's a soul connection that is absolutely essential to mm-hmm. the other work that I do. Otherwise, you know, it can be too rote and it can be soulless. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a person can be a, a minister or a spiritual teacher and, you know, lose touch with um, that inner light, that uh, inner power, that inner peace that um, is our very... Um, Goal, you know, to be sharing. So poetry for me is a way, if, if I'm not, uh, if the poetry is not flowing, usually it's that my, I've become too involved, too task oriented. Mm, mm. That's um, such a a beautiful,
2: beautiful description. So as we, as we come toward the end of this first segment, would you share another poem with us?
3: Oh, sure. Thank you. I think the one I'll share is, um, it's about surrender, which on the path of Kriya Yoga is a key practice, which is, you know, to let go of clinging to the idea of separate self, let go of clinging to particular outcomes and, um, you know, so people surrender is sort of mysterious for people. You know, we don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a way of being. You know, when we can be just abide in this conscious awareness of the self and 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 let things be as they are and know that they're always um, changing instead of trying to you know hold on. We try to hold on so tightly and then we resist. You know, the way things are and we have a lot of suffering. So this is. This poem is called Ishwara Pranidhan, which is the name of the practice in um, Yoga Sutra that describes Kriya Yoga. And uh, Ishwara is uh, the Lord, the creator. Um, that is a generalized universal uh, term for, for that power that is the creator of all um the worlds and the pranidhan is the surrender to, to that with a sense of devotion. So this poem is called Ishwara Pranidan. The ocean does not argue with the rock. The ocean does not argue with the rock. It goes where it will, telling the secret again, then again to the slow moving cliffs. Prayers written in moss, answered at dawn. Listen for the secret. Be a jagged edge, falling in love one salty kiss at a time. See yourself as the shore, longing to dive in. See yourself as the wave, returning home again. So, so beautiful. I love the
2: line, uh, is it, falling in love one salty kiss at a time. It's just gorgeous.
3: <laughs> it's gorgeous. gorgeous. Yeah. This poem, you know, as much as I do get visuals, you know, I live near the coast in Santa Cruz, California and um, there, there have been times you know, uh, I can walk along the cliffs and there are times when there are rock formations that are You know, close to shore, and um, sometimes those rock formations, which look so solid, simply disappear. You know Mm -hmm. that that the ocean waves have been so intense that Mm -hmm. the rock the rocks are just washed away. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, that's uh, uh, I'm sure where that line came to me. You know that you, you know just. Falling, you know, falling because Mm -hmm. the divine is moving in our lives and, uh, uh, you know, changing things and removing things. And, you know, if you try to hold on too tightly, it becomes very painful. But if you can surrender and just ride the waves of change, you know, then that's very nice. It can be a salty kiss.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> beautiful and with that we've come to the break you're listening to The Yoga Hour with a special guest poet, writer and teacher Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien and you can find out more about her books teaching schedule and other events on her website ellengraceobrien.com which is her name except without the apostrophe <laughs> um, and also at the CSE website csecenter.org and the book of poetry that um, we have been discussing and and, uh, Uma has been reading from is called The Moon Reminded Me and it is available now for order uh, through Amazon.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and regular guest host of The Yoga Hour. When we come back from the break, we're going to hear more about and uh, readings from uh, the new book of poetry,
4: As co-host of Unity Online Radio's Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed, Daryl's old-school charm and no-nonsense approach to spirituality keep a global audience laughing and inspired. What If Godzilla Just Wanted a Hug is loaded with Daryl's hilarious, award-winning illustrations and packs his wit and wisdom into easy-to-digest, bite-sized stories of how he transforms chaos into tranquility and succeeds in the entertainment business by doing the opposite of everyone else. What If Godzilla Just Wanted a Hug is a pocket Bible encouraging the talented and timid to trust their gut Have fun ordering your copy of What If Godzilla Just Wanted a Hug today on Amazon.com. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
1: to the Yoga Hour, living the eternal way with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour.
2: I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, having a conversation today with the Yoga Hour's founder and regular host, Yogacharya O'Brien, and discussing her new book of poetry, "The Moon Reminded Me." So. Uh, Umaji, your new book of poetry is organized into five sections, each one titled with a Sanskrit word. So, what led you to organize the book in this way?
1: Mm. Um,
3: that's such a good question, because it was definitely a process, which I, I do talk about in the uh, my in, my introduction um, to the book. And that is that I, I have two... Previous um, books, of poems that were published, and one is clearly a book of um, prayers or insights that I had on um, pilgrimage in India. It's called The Sanctuary of Belonging. Mm -hmm. And um, the other book of poems, um, I think it's called One Heart opening. Um, You'd think I would know the title of my own (laughs) book, but it's something like that. Um, And that one really was um, more um, I mean, it still, of course, had a spiritual focus, but it was more about everyday life, you know, poems about being a mother, um, being a wife, um, poems about nature. Um, So in this book i felt that those two streams of my life really needed to come together because that's mm-hmm. the, that's the heart of yoga you know where it's not that we have a spiritual life and then we have a life you know in the world as wife mother daughter or um friend or you know whatever those experiences are they they that is our spiritual life and so i I needed to find a way that, you know, these poems, that some of them are, you know, prayers to the beloved and some of them are like the, one, the opening one that I read about, you know, um, the way that a Sufi turns um, and keeps their balance, you know, by being centered in the heart, um, raising, you know, to another state of consciousness that could cause you to just leave your shoes behind, which is you know, mm-hmm. such a beautiful um, metaphor for, you know, the way we cover ourselves from, you know, that direct experience of the divine. So, you know, how, how could a poem like that, you know, sit side by side, you know, with poems, you know, for example, that are uh, about, you know, my grief over a friend's passing or, you know, what it was like for me to learn how to, um, speak my truth in a stronger way. So how, you know, how did those sit side by side? And, um, and that's the work that we all have to do. And so even the title of the book, the title of the collection, The Moon Reminded Me, is, is about the reflected light of the divine, you know, that shines in us and shines in our life. Um, so that became sort of the overarching metaphor for the work and I naturally just have, uh, the moon shows up in my work a lot. Um, but these Sanskrit words, um, that were there in certain poems became, um, avenues that could gather both the poems that were more mystical prayers and, um, more about so-called ordinary life, um, So the book organized itself really in that very beautiful way. And Mm -hmm. um, I I tell a story in the uh, introduction that the experience of having the book organized that way what, that came out of a prayer. You know, how will I do this? <laughs> you know, how will I bring my life together? Which is the prayer that we have. You know, how do I live my spiritual life every day? How, how can I be a mystic, um, and still make salad? You know, we, we have that question. And, um, so that was the prayer I had about this book. And I, and I thought about, um, the, the story that surrounds the, um, the rivers in India that are are, are holy rivers, they're sacred rivers, and they're, they're related to a, a, as a, a, an alive, you know, divine presence. And so there's the Ganga, and there's the Yamuna, and there, at one time, there's a legend that there was a, the Saraswati River, which is now underground. Mm. Um, so there was the teaching that there were those three rivers but um, that would flow to the sea. And um, at some point, the Saraswati went underground. But the, the story is that just before the Ganges and the Yamuna reach the ocean, the Saraswati rises up. And together, the three enter the ocean. Now, Saraswati is the uh, Devi. She's the goddess of writing <laughs> and uh, music and the arts. And um, so that became for me that metaphor of joining those two streams of my life that, you know, the divine energy of Saraswati, of... Uh, Poetry itself would rise up and provide the way. <laughs> so that was my process.
2: Mm, really lovely. So the first section uh, is
3: titled "Sandhya." Sandhya. So what does Sandhya mean? Um, and with each of the sections that are Sanskrit word, we I do have um, an ex an explanation of what those words are. So for the English readers, hopefully, you know, it's not an impediment but becomes a learning experience especially if you're a student of yoga and I want to thank uh, Shanta and Indra uh, Bulkin who consulted me, who are, you know, Sanskrit teachers, uh, who reviewed the manuscript and made sure I wasn't making a wrong turn with my Sanskrit. So, um, Sanja means uh, junction and it It refers to the transitional hours of the day that are known to be auspicious times of prayer. So, for example, dawn is uh, sandhya, that time when the darkness of night is turning to the light of day. And so this junction refers to these two things coming together in which something else is born, something else comes into being from this meeting, and so, of course, that's a beautiful metaphor for our lives, uh, that meeting with the divine, um, where something else comes forth.
2: Mm, it's such, it's so beautiful, and also touches back on your description of the rivers coming together,
3: um, yeah. you know, the two streams of the book. So would you share a poem with us from this section? Absolutely, thank you. I think I'll just um, share the title one from this section, which is Sandhya, and as I've said, that's this Sanskrit for um, the transitional hours, that auspicious time of day for prayer, whether that's dawn, you know, noon, or dusk. And you can think of it as a meeting place, you know, meeting place with the divine. And this uh, poem has another Sanskrit word, which is Prasad. Which means that it's the blessed food that's offered, uh, during a worship, uh, service. It's offered to the, to the deity. And then later that blessed food is, uh, consumed and it's the other meaning for prasad is grace that Mm -hmm. I always think of it as, you know, what we offer to God comes back to us through this vehicle of divine grace uh, and, and it's transformed. So, you know, we offer, uh, What we do in life to God and uh, that higher power transforms it uh, through grace. It comes back to us in a different way. Sanja, Listen. Lark sings as day begins and when it ends. The tide of gratitude flows in. Senses bow before the one. This is the hour. Enter the temple of I am that. Grace is being dispensed. Take prasad, ambrosia of now, nectar of surrender. It will sweeten your tongue, render you speechless, make you sing. just beautiful
2: um i love the um you know the the references to um prasad of course meaning both the blessed food but also uh divine grace and how it will sweeten your tongue and render you speechless make you sing just glorious
3: really yeah that and that really is the experience of grace isn't it you know it's a, it's a awesome experience that we cannot put into words but we could sing about it <laughs> <laughs>
2: so the next section is titled sankalpa or intention um you would mention the the way the book kind of organized itself um and uh, when I look at the sections, I think you also talk about this in the beginning. Um, there's really a, an arc of transformation that mm-hmm. the book traces. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in that in that transformative arc that is traced by the book, what role does intention play?
3: Mm. Yeah, it's a lovely way to look at the book. Thank you for that. It's a beautiful way to express it. Um, yeah, so if we begin with Sanja, with simply being open to, I like to call them, you know, prayer windows, you know, opportunities where we get to see through the veil of uh, illusion and, you know, perceive the presence of that which is all in all. So we begin with that receptivity and then, Sankalpa, you know, indicates our intention, you know, to live with that vision, uh, to be clear, um, uh, you know, which is important so that we're not uh, simply passive, um, but we're engaged. And then, you know, Sankalpa has a it has an upside, which is our higher intentions, you know, to, to live with higher purpose, to live in the highest way. But a Sankalpa can also be use of our will, you know, where we get stuck. <laughs> so I have some poems that are about Sankalpa like that, you know, as well. Like, you know, what I what I wanted and, you know, couldn't find or didn't get or, you know, was pushing to try to have happen. So, you know, we can think of Sankalpa in, in both ways. Mm. So um, I would love to hear another poem.
2: Will you share one with us from this section?
3: Sure. Um, well, it is winter now, and live time on this program is February, and it's raining in California today, we're experiencing uh, a little coolness for us. Other places, it's really stormy and icy, and uh, but here... This I, I'm going to read this poem called Late January, um, which expresses this um, intention, really, that is within us, deep intention to thrive and to prosper um, and to express our divine nature. Everything has that, and uh, if you look for it and you see it, uh, It's inspiring and it can help you know that it's no different for you, you know, that this divine power is expressing and wanting to express through your life. So this poem is called Late January. It is still winter, though we dream of spring. The branches of my neighbor's apple tree reach straight for heaven rising from winter slumber, unabashed, wet with gray rain, no leaf or blossom to adorn them, no heavy fruit to bend them with humility, only this, naked reaching for the light, so audacious it stirs the possum in his sleep. That is just...
2: So, so beautiful. I love the, um, I love the, both the comment that you made about that, um, you know, the essence within us that uh, just wants to come forth, that drive, you know, that, that we have. And, and as you said, we can see it everywhere, in in nature and mm-hmm. hopefully at times in our in our own lives um mm-hmm. but you know everything seeds you know sprouting um and this was just so beautiful how um you look at the you know the bare apple tree next door um and and I love the line uh, only this naked reaching for the light so audacious it stirs the
3: possum in his sleep just just beautiful yeah and then you know it just kind of comes out of um observing i the little apple tree is right in my point of view as i sit in my chair in my office and uh in my meditation room um which is out in the garden um it's uh like a little sunroom so it's it has windows around but there's um uh, wisteria vines that are uh, quite substantial that cover the top and you know move up the side and um, I was sitting in my uh, meditation uh, room early one morning, meditating and hearing this sound, and I looked up, and it was a possum family, you know, moving up those um, branches of the wisteria to, I guess, you know, find a nest uh, up there on the top of the meditation temple, or maybe meditate with me, I don't know, but um, it, was, it was interesting to see them Uh be stirred from their sleep.
1: Yeah.
2: So, next we move to to Maitri, or loving kindness, which appropriately I thought was in the middle or heart of the book. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what role do you see loving kindness playing in the journey of transformation?
3: Well, loving kindness is, um, it's really ahimsa. It's the fulfillment of nonviolence and it's the first Yama, it's the first restraint, you know, that we have, which is to restrain our, um, ego-based tendencies. This is where, you know, our uh, pride comes from and jealousy and, um, hatred. And so, uh, the remedy for that is loving kindness, you know, we have, and we have to, um, both, I think, reveal that, uh, as it is a divine tendency within us, and, but we also have to cultivate it um, by being aware of it, by practicing it. Um, there are a few people that it just comes very naturally for. Um, uh, I have seen that, but most people, it seems, need to practice it. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: So, let's have another poem uh, from this section. I, I particularly enjoyed uh, Fire in My Heart, or I don't know if you want to read a different oh, sure. one. Or
3: that no, one. no, that's fine. Um, let me get to it. It's page 38. Thank you. Yes, I
2: should say uh, um, you uh, have to uh, find the place
3: in the poetry book each time. So, no, no yeah. Problem. Yeah, I, I have it now. Fire in my heart. Some days I sit near your fire, feeding it the kindling of desire. Live in the way, the Buddha said, and the light will grow in you. Sorrow and joy come in. Sit down together as friends. Everything that is needed appears. Other days, I forget about the light, set out alone in the dark, ambitious prodigal with damp wood, determined to start my own fire. When the invitation to the heavenly feast arrives from the universe, I politely decline. I have prepared a feast for you. Will you come? No. I'm too busy with matters of life and death. I insist on my own way, saying no to love until no becomes sand in my mouth. Why all this suffering, I ask. Come, sit by the fire. Forget about life and death, being and doing, coming and going. Soon, the sitar will begin. Its notes will make you weep for everything lost and gained, for the extravagant mercy of the one.
2: Oh, just um, really lovely and and lovely to hear you read it. I think uh, the reason that I that I like it so much is, of course, I see the resonances in my own life. You know, of those days when everything is flowing and uh, sorrow and joy come in and sit down as friends. Everything that's needed appears. But then other days,
1: and I
2: and I loved I love the image of this uh, ambitious prodigal with damp wood, determined to start my own fire. Yes, absolutely, mm-hmm. with the damp wood, I'm going to do it. <laughs> (laughs) Say no to to the other lovely things that are potentially coming, you know, my way. (laughs) So, we're getting, uh, our time is flying, and I want to make sure that we, you know, that we cover a a few more poems at least. So, uh, one of your, uh, well, the next section um, is uh, Leela, and the poem Leela draws on the idea of life as a divine or cosmic play. So, would
3: you share that one with us? And, yeah, sure. So, Lila, the Sanskrit word uh, means divine play, and and um, e- each of these um, sections of the book, I think, are also a skill that you know we can cultivate. So, with Lila, it's like being able to enjoy life, you know, to see the the divine play, um, and to have a little uh, joy or Amusement, or at least bemusement, about um, the way that things are revealed to us. This is called lila. Your lila is impossible. In your lila, winning comes only through surrender. What kind of victory is that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
3: That's Indeed. a good question, isn't it?
2: <laughs> yes. And the skill.
3: Yeah, what kind of what kind of victory comes to us through surrender? It's a good it's a good question to contemplate. Yes. Because mm-hmm. that is the ultimate victory. And it is our victory, although when we're new to the idea of surrender, we think of it as defeat. Yes. Um but it's a it's a play. It's a play. Mm. And uh it's actually Uh, victory, the greatest victory.
2: So turning to the last section, uh, which is called Advaita, or oneness, and is the end of our journey of transformation. Um, And in in this section I particularly enjoyed, um, well, many poems, but Om. Would Mm. you share that one with us?
3: Mm. I can hear that. Explanation I mean, many people are familiar with Om, of course, but um, I wrote Om is Sanskrit for the word capital W, the eternal, the divine power that brings everything into expression. All words, all creation are considered to be various forms of this one sound or this one primal vibration. It's the great divine name. So, this poem is called Om, which comes first. Ocean or rain, fire or wood, scent of water or trees bursting into bloom, lover who is lost or beloved who finds, you are the ocean drinking in the rain that you yourself have made. You are the fire in the wood. You are the scent of water and the trees bursting into bloom. Fire lives in water as darkness lives in everything green as time slips out of eternity. A luminous thread connects lover and beloved. Prayer beads travel on it, chanting the name Om, Om. That is everything. So so beautiful.
2: I love the um, the image of the luminous thread connecting lover and beloved, with prayer beads mm-hmm. traveling traveling on it, chanting the name Om. What a what a beautiful way to uh, conclude our our program here today. Um, this time has just flown by. Um, You've been listening to The Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, and having a conversation today with teacher, writer, and poet, Yogacharya O'Brien. We've been discussing her new book of poetry, The Moon Reminded Me, which is available at uh, Amazon.com. And uh, I also wanted to um, uh, point you to the new website for... um, Yogacharya O'Brien, which is her name, EllenGraceOBrien.com, which has more information, reviews and etc. are on the uh, website. And for those listening in February 2017, there will be a special program at CSE in San Jose on um, on February 17th, coming right up, a couple of weeks, called Fire and Grace, Mystical Poetry Meets Virtuoso Violin and Celtic Guitar. Yogacharya O'Brien will be reading from her new book and will be joined by the Celtic guitar of William Coulter and the virtuoso violin of Edwin, I'm, sh- I'm not sure how you say his last
3: name, Huizinga, is that right? That sounds close.
2: <laughs>
1: good, <laughs> very,
3: good. Fair. Yeah. yeah.
2: So thank you so much. Uh, Yoga Target O'Brien for joining us today. It has been my delight to host you on the program.
3: Thank you. I have uh, really enjoyed it and enjoyed the opportunity to really have this first reading um, from the new book and um, my love and appreciation to you um, for being such a wonderful uh, co-host for me and for our whole Yoga Hour team that makes it possible. And um, for all the listeners, um, I I often, uh, you know, think of you as I'm leading the show and today especially uh, felt I was sitting with you sharing these poems with you. So um, many, many blessings to those listening in.
2: The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. For more information about uh, the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, visit csecenter.org. And remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes or Stitcher. And if you're enjoying the program, be sure and share it with your friends. Uh, I look forward to being with you again when Yogacharya O'Brien is away. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and your joy with all you meet. Bye now. Bye. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien.
5: Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. The optimist sees the good in all things, builds upon the most hopeful and cheerful view of matters, and expects the best possible outcome. The pessimist, unwilling to look for the good, rarely finds it. Both optimism and pessimism are states of mind. They are attitudes, not events. The words we most often use reflect our strongly held thoughts and affect every area of our lives. If you're finding more frustration than fulfillment in your life, Take a look at what you're thinking. Find something more positive to think, say, or do. Begin building a happier, more satisfying life for yourself today as you choose to look for and find the good in every person and circumstance. This Law of Life is brought to you by Unity.
1: To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org.